Hey, football freaks, it's Alan. Just want to take the time here to let you know that this week's show is brought to you by Pretty Easy Podcasts. If you're thinking of doing a podcast, there is a way for you to do a show without having to become an audio editing master, a production whiz kid. You can just go to prettyeasypodcasts.com and get your own personal producer at a very, very low cost. That'll be someone who can guide you, assist you, help you out with whatever you need, get your podcast off the ground. If you have an idea or a topic you want to talk about on a weekly basis, a daily basis, it doesn't matter. Go to prettyeasypodcasts.com. Get started today. Take some of the hassle of starting a podcast off your shoulders and let the audio professionals at Pretty Easy Podcasts help you out. Pretty Easy Podcasts is where podcasters go to get their shows recorded and posted with a complete podcast studio at their disposal. Record from home or your office or anywhere, really. Pretty Easy Podcasts caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. Go to prettyeasypodcasts.com, sign up today, be heard, have some fun podcasting, and don't let a lack of technical knowledge hold you back. Go to prettyeasypodcasts.com today. This is the future. This is not the past. The new XFL will kick off in 2020. If you smell what the XFL is cooking. It's still football, but it's professional football reimagined. This is our moment, our story to tell. This is history begun. This is the XFL! Welcome, football fans. This is the week of November 3rd, 2019. And this is the road to 2020. And this is the XFL Show. I'm Alan. I'm Jake. And I'm Bryant. And this week, we speak with Tampa Bay head coach, general manager, Mark Tressman. We get into a healthy quarterback debate all on episode 94, and we are slithering our way to kick off with 14 weeks before that faithful, faithful day. When the 2020 season begins, we went over a whole lot of schedule last week and a lot earlier this week on the Patreon, guys. But this episode, we've got an XFL head coach. We're going to go down to Tampa Bay, learn all about the Vipers, and we're going to get into a lot of talk about these quarterbacks. I'm ready if you are, Jake. Yeah, I'm ready. Only 14 weeks, like you said. I mean, really, you know, at only 14 weeks out, we are closer than ever to the kickoff of the season. I didn't realize it, you know, even though I was here last week with you guys, I didn't realize it was that close. Yes, closer than <laughs> ever. Closer than ever, Brian. And uh, we've got uh, one of my one of my new favorite people in the league. We spoke to him earlier this week. And we're going to play the interview. Mark Tressman of the Tampa Bay Vipers, a cerebral look at, at what the XFL is going to be like with one of the most intelligent and cerebral coaches in the league. Well, Alan, a couple things here. I will say, Jake, we are closer than ever because we just broke 100. As of Halloween, we broke 100 days until kickoff, so that's pretty uh, awesome uh, that we're in the double digits now headed to kickoff. Alan, I've been telling you forever that Mark Trestman is one of the brains that we needed to get on this show, and you kept telling me no, and finally we have what? him on this show. I'm really excited to have him. What? Yeah, isn't that what you said? No, I, I've been Maybe telling you. Was that the one, Maybe that was reversed. You're, yeah, you're mixing me up with yourself because I've been wanting to talk to Mark Tressman for a while. And, uh, yeah, it's a super interesting interview. Uh, and we're going to play it for our good crisp interview of the week in a little bit. But if uh, you're on the Patreon, you probably already heard it. And it, it's a doozy. So we'll get, we'll get into all things Tampa Bay Vipers with Coach Tressman. But also going back to last week, Bryant, after the episode talking a lot about season schedule in week one we came up with a poll and asked everybody which home field in week one would be the most hype the most lit the best atmosphere of the four home teams being dc new york houston and dallas how'd the poll shake out uh alan you and vince had asked last week because we the week before that we had asked what game was going to be the most or what game had people most hyped for uh, leading into week one. And this time we turned it into the, the crowds and the stadiums. We said which uh, home field would look the best, feel the best uh, for week one 
Uh, some people were saying St. Louis. I don't know if people realize that St. Louis isn't hosting week <laughs> one. Anyway, uh, Dallas. Maybe they were just going to have a big watch party, and it was going to happen. Maybe that's what it is. Watch, watch parties are big nowadays. I do see that a lot. Uh, that'd be great. If, if St. Louis had a watch party for week one, that'd be uh, one of the best things I've seen in sports before. Uh, but uh, Houston, uh, D.C., Dallas, New York City, all those four teams uh, hosting uh, week one, and uh, with 36% of the vote, Alan, Dallas came out on top. I think uh, Vinman probably got some people to actually vote with him. Yeah, that's uh, kind of surprising to me. I, I voted D.C., maybe, Jake, because I, I plan on well, being there with you. But what do you think of how this poll uh, – how it came out? I, I'm surprised that that New York was ahead of D.C. in this poll, and I'm also surprised that Dallas was on top because I definitely was expecting it to be – uh, Audi field with with uh, you know how crazy sports are in DC right now yeah I can't remember exactly who I picked either but I think I picked DC like you and you know also that's where I'm leaning uh, being week one you know it, it's probably just that Texas bump that Dallas and Houston got up there yeah that's true they, they get hyped for some football down there like we always say but I don't know maybe did we announce last week that we're going to pretty much Plan, we were planning on being in DC, Jake. Did we say that? Maybe that would help the know, voting. I don't know if we. I don't know if we said that on air. <laughs> that might help with the voting. <laughs> shout, also, shout out to Tim at the DC Defenders. Uh, in the in the, I talked to him, Brian, in the ticket office, and he was asking me if we were going to make it down there. Uh, so uh, DC's all they're hype for us. They're hype for the start of the season. We will be there. We're planning on it. It's going to be an awesome weekend to kick off the very first game of the season. If we were more professional, I'd tell you to pause the show and tell me all about that conversation. Cause you have not told me about that. We have talked off air about being in DC. I guess it's somewhat being official. Now, are you guys going to be there? Uh, yeah. What's, what's going to, what's stopping me? Of course. Why not? It's the closest oh, game. Okay. To us, well, I'll Jake. be there too. I have nothing stopping me. Nothing's going to prevent me from Wait. getting that, that first game week one. Aren't you I'm having a, there. aren't you having a kid? Shh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, th that's that's why we didn't ask you. We were thinking of <laughs> of your kin. Oh man, we got to save you from yourself, Brian. You're gonna. You're, Anybody you're... have a private jet out there that could fly me back and forth from that game? <laughs> just you know, at XFL Show on Twitter or at uh, uh, and I'm Bryant on Twitter. You can just go directly to me if you need to. At XFL Show on Twitter for more more fun polls like that. I'm sure we'll come up with one by the end of this show for for this week. And uh, it, it's uh, really interesting to see that uh, that's how it came out. I don't know. Maybe that'll change. Maybe we'll have to we'll, – we'll definitely have to assess it once week one happens for sure. Put a pin in that one, Bryant. 724-565-4XFL is the XFL fan line. You could call that number. Leave us a message if you have uh, your own take on our poll questions or you, you have a question or any th kind of thought you want to get out there. We'll air it on the show or, or respond to it on the show if you don't want it aired. And uh, yeah, call anytime. The voicemail is there always. 724-565-4XFL for the XFL fan, fan line. People picking up their phones to call that fan line, Jake. And some of them on those phones have really neat team bat phone backgrounds. That Did you see these? The teams are, are distributing on social media saying, you know, for your, for your iPhone, for your Android, put this on there. Slap it on and show... Show everybody how you'd like to raise hell or roar like a wildcat. They're team specific phone backgrounds. They're pretty rad. Yeah, yeah. That that Dallas one looks like uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not up on current media, but what was that show on FX, the motorcycle show that everybody watched for like 10 Sons years? of Anarchy? That, yeah, the one with Peg Bundy. Yeah, <laughs> definitely rem reminiscent of uh, <laughs> of that one. Uh, you know, people know I have not chose my team yet, so I'm sticking with you know what I've been. Uh, what I've had on my phone for years. So I, I can't say I've picked either one of these yet, but they do look really good. Alan, is there a way to contractually obligate Jake to actually announce when he's going to announce no. his team? I mean, there's got to be a way. That, fans have been clamoring for 90, what are we at, 94 weeks now? They want to know what Jake, a lot of episodes. A lot of a lot of fans out there are waiting to see what Jake is going to be cheering for so they can cheer for the same team. And here we are just waiting for Jake, uh, and we have no uh, end in sight for this. You really think that I have fans that are, you know, just hanging on to see who I'm going to pick as my team so that they can. I fully merch? expect I love Jake signs when we get to uh, DC. Uh, come 
I, I wouldn't be surprised, Jake, but I know you're modest. Uh, if you maybe we'll talk off air, we'll set a date for you to uh, make an official announcement, and we'll or we'll do it on the YouTube where we'll put all all eight hats in front of you, and you it, can yeah. Can, can we call it the decision? Yes, the decision okay. 2020. You, you, we'll make it. We'll make it sometime before week one. It'll be a whole production. We got to do it big if we're going to do it, Bryant. We'll put it on the YouTube, right? At XFL, what is that? This is the XFL show on Twitter. On uh, YouTube, uh, go check that out. You never know. Maybe we won't. We won't tell anybody when we drop it, so that way you have to subscribe so you're notified when we drop it. Well, the phone backgrounds, Jake. You don't have to put one on. I'm put. I'm. I'm sticking with the generic league logo for now, just because if someone sees my yeah. phone, they'll notice the logo, and then I can strike up conversation. It's. It's like my favorite thing to do out in public now is strike up conversations about the XFL, and then I get all giddy and tell people about how, what the league's going to be like and everything we've been talking about, and then they realize, wow, you've been doing this for night for almost two years. <laughs> it's, it's. And I. I'm just hearing about it, and I say, yeah. But get on the bandwagon because there's plenty of room and kickoff is is still 14 weeks away. And then I try to tell them, you know, we also have a Patreon. And obviously, that's if you feel like you want to give to us. That's not an obligation or anything. You definitely have to subscribe to the show. You definitely have to follow along the XFL. But if you feel like we deserve a little bit of love or if you feel like you need more XFL in your life, the Patreon's the place to be. That's what we've been telling you for 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 not ninety four weeks, but quite amount of weeks. Yes, Patreon.com forward slash This Is The XFL Show. If you need a little more, if you want more information, if you love football, that's where you want to go. We have tons of XFL content dating back months now that you can go back. It's still relevant today. Uh, and Alan, this past week we released our October bonus episode. If you're in the right tier, you can talk. You can hear all of us, me, Jake, and Alan talk about the draft and grading the draft go through a schedule simulator it's quite uh the fun experience when you get to our patreon alan tons of stuff also this is not the xfl where we talk weekly not xfl uh but still football it's a great experience go check it out patreon.com forward slash this is the xfl show yeah this is not the xfl show with a new format debuting next week that's going to be super fun and talking a whole lot of nfl and college football and canadian football with the playoffs coming up we're going to get into everything it's going to be a different format from what we've been doing but a lot of fun hopefully we'll cover more that way and yeah this 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 past week with the bonus show we did the the draft grades i'm still uh i'm still upset at how i kind of predicted the seattle dragon season again i'm sorry but that's a whole nother discussion. Maybe we'll have to get back to that on the on the Patreon sometime down the road. Patreon.com slash this is the XFL show. But I'd like to I'd like to really get into this this cover too before we get to the good crisp interview today, uh, Jake and Bryant, because while the inter- the good crisp interview is gonna be amazing with Mark Tressman for anybody who hasn't heard it yet, uh, we have some crucial things to get into, uh, bits of news. This week, one that was just very interesting that I don't think a lot of people noticed or were talking about, and another that a lot of people noticed and definitely were talking about that we need to get into. So let's hit them both. Time for this week's cover two. Going for two. Go for two and believe. All right. First up, the thing everyone's talking about, at least on XFL Twitter and your Reddits and the board, the XFL board that does a great job. Uh, a lot of people noticing that some XFL draftees were signed by some NFL teams the past couple weeks and put on practice squads and uh, are right now, as of now, in the NFL. Uh, they probably and they will be and may, available to play in the XFL when the season's over in the NFL. But right now, a lot of these guys are uh, trying, trying to you know, live that NFL dream, Bryant. And two names that were kind of prominent for me, Pitt Panther fan and you, Jake, that I noticed from uh, XFL draftees that are in the NFL this week, Scott Orndorff, the tight end, uh, who was with the Wildcats, and also Squadry Henderson of the New York Guardians. They both are in the NFL on practice squads now. Carolina Panthers picking up Henderson and the Eagles picking up Scott Orndorff. Um, and, and a few other notable names, Bryant everyone's talking about this on uh, on Twitter. I saw a lot of people panicking. Oh, God, these guys aren't, aren't going to play in the XFL. Not necessarily the case, right? Uh, not necessarily the case, just based on the fact that 
the XFL season doesn't start until way after uh, these players will probably be released from their contracts. A lot of these players are signed to practice squads, but those practice squads for the most part end week 17. I don't know if really, do they carry practice squads into the postseason? No, I guess we'd have to fact check that, but I don't think that those are actually carried into the postseason. So maybe they miss mini camps. Maybe they miss uh, the first week of, of um, the actual preseason or the, uh, what do they call it? Training camps. Uh, but regardless, it's fine. I, you know, and I think the XFL expected this. That's why they're going to have the supplemental draft here in a couple weeks to help alleviate or help teams with these uh, losses. There's not too many of them. Um, I'm sure the XFL is monitoring it. Also, some of these players might get released before then. You know, you never know what's going to happen with these practice squad members. Um, there's some interesting ways that we can look at this, too, that we'll probably get into here in a little bit. But I, I think that's just expected. It was expected by the XFL, maybe not so by fans. But these guys aren't on contracts until uh, December 1, so this is totally going to happen until then. Yeah, I don't think it's anything to be concerned with. It, if anything, if you're seeing that uh, you know, NFL teams want some people that the XFL picked up in the draft, and obviously there's something there. And yeah, they, they may not be at those mini camps uh, as long as some of the other guys, but surely they're, they're not just uh, sitting around in their house watching TV. They're still out there. They're athletic. And uh, they're getting it done. So, yeah, I think this is, you know, you're going to see additions and, and subtractions between now and, well, I, I don't know, and the week 17, I guess. Yeah, it's the most fluid situation you could be in as a player in the NFL that, where all these guys are going on to practice squads. They literally could either be on those teams until the end of December into early January, or a lot of them can maybe even be back on the market this week i mean that that's how it goes with the practice squad that the nfl you're able to cut and drop and add and do whatever you want with those players so uh, we'll see what happens to all these xfl names that have been picked up uh one, the one that stood out to me actually the most though if we're just going to pick some of the names we've seen uh james vaughters the, the the dc defenders linebacker played at stanford he he got picked up by the bears and that really if you listen to our Patreon episode on the draft, uh, Vodders, among other players on D.C., key picks, I thought, for that team that were really impressive, at least on paper, that uh, made me swing towards a, giving them an impressive grade, Bryant. And a guy like that, you notice it, that if that guy doesn't make it to the D.C. defenders a roster come February, that's a, that could be a bummer for the team, and they're going to have to really do some scouting and some uh, – quick work with the supplemental draft and also finding guys in January when they hit the market as well. No, absolutely. And there's a lot of, a lot of players that were selected, uh, but they were three first rounders. If you really look at it, Alan in the, in Kyle Murphy tackle out of Stanford, um, he got drafted by the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks, And he's with uh, currently he's with Houston, you know, and then you mentioned uh, James Vodders who just signed with the Chicago bears and DC is going to be in trouble there. And then you have Anthony Johnson out of LSU um, who signed with the LA Chargers yeah. uh, and he was with the Wildcats, right? So those are three first round picks in mm -hmm. the XFL's draft that are now not available. Do they become available? Do they want to play in the XFL still after, you know, getting a full season and on the practice squad? I think it was interesting. The reason, the thing I wanted to bring up here is we've been having a lot of conversations about some of these players saying, do we want, uh, do they, do we think those players want to, uh, forego the practice squad and go to the XFL. Well, that question's kind of being answered now, at least by these players. They'd rather go to the practice squad uh, than play in the XFL. Uh, those are their decisions. You know, that's what they decide to do. That's what they want to do. Uh, uh, makes sense. They actually get their chance. Makes sense, though, right? Well, financially, what do you makes sense. But yeah. we always said that financially, it always made sense to go uh, to the practice squad. But there's other factors that we thought some players would actually um, kind of, you know, factor in playing time, game tape many different things that for the most part aren't really being factored in, I guess, by these players when they go and sign with a practice squad. Well, these guys who are going to be on these practice squads, really all they're missing is mini camp. If you look at our schedule with what's going on with the league, they're going to miss December. And if they end up going back onto the market and these NFL teams don't retain them, then they're going to be able to make it to, to January training camps. And that's really the crucial part of the off season schedule. You want to be there for in the XFL. Um, I mean, I don't think a lot of these guys could afford to miss that. I don't think anybody really could because that's going to be the most crucial portion of the team building and putting pl game plans together and being on the same page. 
building up a championship squad in the XFL. So you want to be there for that. But uh, what these players are doing now, it's kind of just it's free time almost. They, they don't have anywhere to report in the XFL for now. Uh, and uh, I, I totally understand why they would jump onto these practice squads. And going back to the defenders, I think I don't know if you noticed, uh, Brian, I don't know if you misspoke or what, but Kyle Murphy is it was a DC first pick too. So they have they have uh oh, two excuse me two round one players that have been picked up uh since the draft into the NFL and James Vodder Vodders and Kyle Murphy. Which I mean that that's good scouting. At least DC apparently DC's on the same page <laughs> with some NFL teams. But uh yeah. And also I think a fluid situation, Jake, that we're gonna continue to be watching because Things like this could happen now for the next two months with the NFL season going on. Yeah, it's just going to happen. I mean, unless, you know, for instance, Quadri Henderson is lighting up the league for the Panthers and, you know, and he gets to play some regular season games, um, you know, you're probably, at least I'll say it right now, you're probably going to see him back with, uh, who was he with? I forget, in the XFL, who drafted him? Guardians. Uh, was that, yeah, I don't, he's probably going to be up there in MetLife you know, at, at the end of the uh, season. Well, it's not only whether or not he's, he's excuse me, I'll just start real quick, but uh, it's not only that he's lighting it up, but if you take your guys' favorite NFL team as an example, the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing two practice squad members as quarterbacks right now, right? That's that's where those quarterbacks started the season at, as practice squad members. So anything can happen if you get on a practice squad in the NFL. You just never know. So that's, a, I guess, another factor that you really have to put into place. Uh, when making that decision exactly what I, I was gonna say I more than ever I don't root for injuries in the NFL you shouldn't but I'm like rooting against injuries actively now because if these teams have you know get decimated at a position that just means uh some XFL talent might get gobbled up into into some practice squads that we you know I mean also you bring up the Steelers there Bryant they're like dwindling at, at, at in numbers at, at running multiple back positions yeah, including running back now and uh darren hall who is a pretty good running back on the market who uh I, who knows if if was he was contacted by the xfl or what but uh, he joins the steelers practice squad and guys like that are out there that are just waiting for the, those kind of opportunities rather than signing on with the xfl just yet which Still, even though we've we said this before the draft, even though the draft happened, it was historic. There would be fluidity. There would be things happening that would go against it, that would change it, that would change the makeup of these rosters. A whole lot going into the new year and into February and expect more of the same for the rest of the way because there's still a lot of things that are going to be happening when it comes to the NFL, when it comes to players uh, making decisions with their agents and what they're going to do, and we're going to keep an eye on as much of it as we can. Uh, real quick around the horn, Alan, if I can just throw this. Uh, do you think that some of these players being drafted by the XFL rose their stock for these NFL teams? Um, that's interesting to think about. I would say, I would say most of these teams probably had scouting reports on a lot of these players already, like that have bounced in and out of some training camps and been in preseasons, but it, it definitely, I, I definitely think it maybe reinforced any kind of idea they had about a player. I mean, say if you're, I don't know, we'll take one of the guys here in, uh, you know, James Vodders, say, you know, you already had tape on him and you already had an idea if you're the Bears and then you see, oh, he's taken first in that XFL draft too. Let's bring him on. We need a linebacker. I mean, I think that probably just, if anything, reinforced. I don't think it tilted any decision-making in the NFL. They have their own scouting they do. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I don't think that uh, an NFL club is picking up somebody just because the XFL drafted him. I, I don't think that's the... Uh, that's the sole factor. Yeah. You know, like Alan was saying, they've got enough, you know, they've got all the analytics and the info they, they've needed already. I think when the tape comes out from the XFL regular season, though, Bryant, that'll be a different story. And then maybe maybe that'll tilt some decision-making in the NFL when it comes to picking up those players. <laughs> I just I just feel like some of these players maybe um, were, were highlighted a little stronger, maybe a blue instead of a yellow. Uh because that way, just because they were drafted in the XFL, so that way NFL teams. I think I think it happened with some of these players. Like, oh, why did the XFL draft him? Maybe we should be looking at this player, and they did, and now he's on their radar. Maybe 
you would know that Alan's colorblind, and uh, they both look like gray to him. So uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't do color color coordinating. It's just good or color, bad. Wait, colors, maps, and animals. Alan is not a good source. No, learning that more and more each week on this podcast. Just the quality of the play. Number two here on our cover two is something nobody really is, I think, talking about. I hope people caught this article in the Dallas Morning News, though. It is so fascinating. It is really an exclusive behind-the-scenes look of draft day for the Renegades. And, I I mean, I've looked at a lot of coverage for each team, and you didn't see anything like this uh, with, when it comes to behind-the-scenes. A lot of great quotes in here. If you're a Renegades fan, definitely check this out. But reading this article and, and getting a glimpse at what was going on in the Renegades' war room, um, there was an interesting thing I, I, I found in, in this thing, and it was – it was the fact that nobody on their board was really getting taken by any of the other teams, according <laughs> to what the Renegades were telling, you know, the reporters and everything. And also what Bob Stoops told us when we sat down with him, Bryant, during the draft. But according to this Dallas Morning News article, they didn't get a guy on their board taken by another team ahead of them until deep in phase two, the offensive line phase. And, and that's when there's a great quote in this article. Daryl Johnston, the director of player personnel, said, guys, we just lost our first one. And they were even t- like verbally taking note of this and kind of uh, in awe of that. And we were d- talking about that going into the draft. You know, how, how similar will these boards be all across the league? It's such a huge pool of players. And this article says all 10 of the offensive skill position picks – were in the top 25 rankings for the Renegades. Six of their top eight offensive linemen ended up on their team. So six of the guys that they pegged before the draft all wound up on our on their team. That was insane. And then nine of the defensive front seven picks they made were in their top 25. That is an incredible uh, percentage and accuracy of scouting and drafting, unprecedented, I think, in any draft you'd ever see. But then again, this is a different kind of draft. Do you think the story would would go the same for the rest of the league, Bryant? Do you think if we asked or if we were in the war rooms for all the other teams, they would have been saying, oh, we got our guy each and every single time? Jake, can you answer? I, I, hold on, I just need a moment. Well, what, what I was going to say is, uh, listen, I, every once in a while we talk, you know, conspiracy and smoke and mirrors on this show. Now, it – it would not be, you know, you wouldn't be garnering very goodwill if you said, "Yeah, we didn't want any of these, any of these guys. Somebody picked them before us, so we're stuck with them." You know, <laughs> I, I think some of this is some of this is PR. It, it but and, this and is smart, and smart PR. But this is also this is at least in the Dallas Morning News, the way it's being reported was that this was, you know, just behind the scenes and and relaying information and and also noting that they had a board displayed yeah. you know in front of everybody and this reporter says the people on top of the board were all taken by the renegades so they visually yeah, I, saw this and reported it and that's how it went that's where you you i know you would be skeptical but then you say well they had visual evidence and the reporting on that i mean that's still hard to believe i know and that's why you bring that up that it's pr but maybe they just had a certain amount of guys, and I just cannot believe the other teams didn't take their guys. But maybe is that just the, because the pool was so big, Bryant? Maybe that's what what caused it. It's it's possible. I, I think Brian <laughs> and I are. Why is Brian so upset about this? What's going on? I'm about not what? upset. It's just the mathematical possibility of this happening is infinite, like zero, like one out of infinite is what it is. Because there's no way that you you list out eight guys, 10 picks, whatever it is for a phase. And none of them are taking like, it's just... well, according to this, there was a phase with eight guys even, even, and six of even them. The New York the Giants and the, Oakland, the, the Oakland Raiders draft board has people taken off of it from time to time. And they do the most obscure picks of any team when they're drafting. Where's the visual evidence that I can see, please. Look, it'd be great. Don't get me wrong. If Dallas was like, boom, we hit this, we hit this one. No one took our guy. You're right. Bob Stoops did say that when we talked to him as well. I'm not calling anybody a liar. I, it's just it's just so hard for me to fathom that that actually happened just because mm, it's, they are renegades. Uh, possibilities. I'm That's not, very true. I'm That's not a math true. or stats guy, but I don't feel like the possibilities that 
that minuscule. It's high, Alan. Oh, it's high. It's high. Well, you, we're you talking about a, what was the pool of players? It was over five hundred players. I mean, there's a lot of different phase scouting. It was, not five. it was my phase. It was like three hundred players. It's a lot of players. It's not like college where it's like whittled down to just a handful of guys that you know were at the combine. So Connor Cook was not on DC's draft board. I mean, I'm sorry, Dallas's draft board. Let's look at it that way. How about that? Well, maybe Connor he wasn't was not on their draft board. Maybe they're happy with Landry. But yeah, I definitely well, I think that yeah, exactly. Didn't get Landry That's a... Jones, right? Okay, let me let me let me think of another one. Bad example. Uh, what was a good receiver thing? <laughs> And think of all the good receivers. Think about think about the show we did on Patreon just now, Brian, talking about all those teams' drafts. And really, every team, we had something positive to say about at least one or two receivers. Okay. I mean, there were a lot of good wide receivers, at least on paper. When you look at 40 times, you look at accomplishments in college. There were a lot of players to choose from that were quality. And it maybe that's how it turned out. Dallas just had their guys, and it just turned out nobody else had those guys picked. Or maybe they just... I don't know. It's, yeah, I, I don't... When you it, have Tampa it seems Bay, odd. I'm skeptical, too. But when you have Tampa Bay, who picked the tight end in the first round because they thought that was the most the, the best available uh, player at that position, you're telling me the Renegades did not have him on their draft board? Not one or two when one team has taken him number one? Like It's just so hard for me to fathom that. Like that's I guess that's the thing. Maybe, the, maybe Dallas didn't have them in their plans. Maybe... Okay, well, let's... Okay. Okay, maybe I just figured it out. Maybe Dallas anticipated certain players being taken in every round, and they said, okay, in this round, we're going to shoot for this player. In this round, we're going <laughs> to shoot for that player, knowing it's, that some of these players are already going to be gone, and that's how they hit it at 100%. It, Jake, it's to me, it sounds in so many war- words, Brian just said that Dallas lowered the bar for their draft. Well, Is that what it sounded <laughs> like he said to you? Well, uh, kind of. They're, they're they're picking their number two picks to be the number one, but I I don't disagree with him really on, you know, I on do. the yeah, that could totally on be the math the here. Yeah, if you do the strategy like, okay, in round one, this is our goal. In round two, this is our goal. Round three, this is our – I can't imagine the top ten players that they said were in the phase one category are the ten players that they selected. That, that I cannot imagine. I, but if they broke it out and they said in round one we're going to try to get this guy, in round two we're going to try to get this guy, in three we're going to get this guy, then I I believe it more. I subscribe to the to the the notion that at most positions, definitely not quarterback, but the other positions, there were very few consensus top players uh, in that draft. And the thing that stinks about this is we will never know. We only have to go on. First-hand reporting like this from the Dallas Morning News because we weren't in that war room. We were at the draft headquarters, and we saw a lot go on, but that is fascinating. And, I I mean, I cannot encourage you enough, uh, football freaks. Go read this thing and let us know what you think. Do you think Dallas really landed all these guys at the top of their board? Because it's hard to believe at XFL show. And I, we, I got I to cut it off here, Brian, because your head's going to explode. And I'm – I don't want to have to defend it, but because uh, I'm skeptical too. But I can see the other side here. It is a huge draft, a huge pool of players. But uh, wow, definitely, definitely interesting to think about, and can't wait for the next draft in that regard. Let's get into the next thing though here, and that's uh, what's now our one of our new favorite, or maybe it is my new favorite segment on the show. It is uh, hopefully going to be each and every single week. And hopefully as awesome as it was last week and this week because both interviews. Last week, HBK, Heather Brooks Carrots from the LA Wildcats, the team president, tremendous with Brian. And this week, we both got to sit down with a real-life XFL football coach and general manager. This one was a doozy. Bryant learned a whole lot about the approach of at least one coach going into this kickoff 2020. Yes, my best friend Mark Trestman from the Tampa Bay Vipers. <laughs> Is that that's gonna be uh, your T-shirt? My best friend dot dot dot. My best friend, <laughs> my best friend, uh, blank space. Uh, no, but Mark Trestman, honestly, one of the nicest guys, uh, Alan. When he got on the phone, he he we tried to we tried to like say hi and thank you and for his time, but he was just gracious and, and happy to talk to us. It was the weirdest conversation I've had uh, with someone who I thought. Uh, I have to say all those things too, but he was so nice at this time. So such a nice individual. And then really went into the weeds of what their draft was, what we can expect from the Vipers going in uh, to February, 2020. Uh, it's a great, some great insight there. 
uh, Alan. So, Mark Trustman, thank you again for your time. And you guys are really going to hear a doozy here coming up. Yeah, yeah. I think Brian is is still reeling because he didn't expect Mark Trustman to just be so forward and gracious with his time, his information, and the and his outlook on the league. I mean, really, he gives us a great look at, at how a coach is approaching team building and what their plans are in Tampa. Fascinating. Uh, Jake, I would not be surprised if after this interview you're a Tampa Bay Vipers fan. Uh, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but they are on my short list of teams that I am ready to commit teams? to. But uh, of, of course, you'll have to wait till the decision at, a, at an <laughs> undisclosed date. <laughs> well, well, we'll wait for that. But right now, let's get into it. It is this week's good, crisp interview with Tampa Bay Vipers head coach Mark Tressman. Alan, this is Mark. Good afternoon. Hey, Coach. Thanks for uh, calling in. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Hey, you guys are doing an awesome job. You can feel your passion and your interest, and I think that's going to you know, really go a long way in, in being a platform for these kids and giving uh, them the opportunity to, you know, to express themselves on the field. Uh, well, we really appreciate it, Coach, and we're really looking forward to that for sure for, for – for the league to really be a, a place for players to showcase themselves, be themselves, for the coaches to inject their personalities into the teams. We're already seeing that. And uh, let's get right into that, really, with, with the XFL. What was the most appealing thing about the XFL that helped you make the decision to join the league? Well, I think two things. Number one was, uh, you know, Oliver's passion and experience and knowledge of what it takes to get it done. But then basically, you know, the more you get into it, the more you realize you're just starting in a garage. You know, you're starting with nothing, no, no staff, no, no personnel department, no players. And you get to build it from scratch and not have to do it quickly, uh, but do it mindfully and do it, uh, you know, analytically to some degree uh, and, and taking it step by step and not having the pressures of getting it done so fast that the, the quality of work that you put into it is diminished. Well, really, Coach, I mean, there's some very new and unique ways that the league's doing these types of things. One thing we saw was the phase draft, right, the phase format. What did you think about that going into the draft, the different phases and the draft orders and all that? Well, I thought it was awesome. I mean, when you think about it logically, which has been thought through, you know, collectively by by Oliver and the, and the people up in Stanford and the coaches, is that we're starting with with no players. We're starting with no needs. And so the way the draft was set up, I by skill positions, as you well know, in, in different phases, allowed the teams to put together uh, the, the, their sides of the ball in a mindful way that they, they wanted to, yet, uh, you know, not be so specific that we were, we were, you know, overlapping different positions and different sides of the ball, which I think would have been confusing to everybody involved. How much did you rely? I mean, the scouting uh, had to be immense going into that draft. It was a jumbo draft, 70 players plus the quarterbacks. How much did you rely on the data from the summer showcases, your own scouting, and how much more scouting of your own team now that you have a roster do you have left to go? Uh, that, that's a great question. So, well, number one, we just started with the AAF. We started with the players that we felt would, would probably in the pool in the AAF, and we evaluated them first. And we got that done relatively early in the process once our staff uh, came together. Um, and that eliminated a lot of, lot of players out of the pool because we did all of them. Uh, and we had experience in the AEF, not only in our personnel department, but, but throughout our staff. So that really helped. And that minimized uh, the project of evaluating the other players that were in the pool and the recent players that have come out of practice squads and so forth. So, you know, credit goes to... Uh, you know, Josh Hinch, our DPP, and, and Justin Hickman and our personnel department and our coaches all were a part of the process. So, you know, very similar maybe to the Cincinnati Bengals where their coaches are heavily involved in the scouting process as much as any, any team in the, in the NFL. And, and uh, we did it ourselves, and our, our coaches were awesome. Our coordinators, uh, you know, did a great job through the organization of it. And then, you know, the, the, the use of, you know, virtual – uh, community and, and, and getting on, uh, you know, calls uh, virtually through our computers helped us, you know, our, with our staff meetings and our personnel evaluation. So it was a, it was a group effort, no doubt about it. And we, now that we've got our team, you know, we've, we've done a, a, a good job of evaluating our draft. And we're, we're proud of what we've done. We've got players we want to coach uh, that we know extremely well. And now we get a chance to meet them for the first time uh, in December. 
Well, you talk about some of the interesting moves you made during the draft. In, in phase one, round one, you were the only team to take a tight end, Nick Truesdale, right? What stood out about him? Because a lot of people saw the move as a tight end and were a little surprised, but I'm sure, I mean, you saw him and you're like, we have to have him in that first round. Well, we we based a lot of it on you know how many the the volume of tight ends that that were there. We we certainly wanted to start that way, and we just you know we just did our own kind of individual analytics. Nothing overly scientific, but if we were going to get the quality tight end that we needed to have and wanted in, in our locker room, not only as a player but as a person and as a leader, you know we felt a good place to start was was with Nick. And I'm, I'm sure your quarterbacks are really going to appreciate having a quality tight end coach. And you got two quality quarterbacks in Aaron Murray and, and then Taylor Cornelius, you draft. Uh, will, will Taylor be able to compete for the starting quarterback job once you, uh, you know, get into camp come December and January? Well, we expect him to. I mean, we expect any player getting reps to, uh, to be competing. And uh, obviously we brought Aaron in, uh, you know, as our designated quarterback that we went out and, and uh, encourage the league to, to bring to us, which they did. Uh, but, you know, Aaron's not going to get all the reps. Taylor certainly will. And, you know, you guys have followed his background. And what he did in one year at Oklahoma State is really a credit to him, not only on the field, but they, you know, they elected him captain uh, before the start of the season. That's, that goes a lot not only to his talent, but as to his leadership ability. And, and he's going he's gonna, to, uh, you know, people in our locker room are going to take notice of him on the field as they will. Uh, with with Vincent Testaverde and as they will with uh, Quentin Flowers, who, although he's played running back the last two years in Cincinnati, will be a part of our quarterback room as well. Yeah, you you got a lot of special players looking at your draft, Coach, and I know you have a lot of experience with roster limitations and fluidity, having coached in the CFL. Do you anticipate needing to have that kind of depth and knowledge of your roster the way you did up north in the XFL? Well, I think that uh, one of the issues up north is obviously because of the ratio, there's this constant movement of players th- throughout the course of the week. I mean, the beauty of the roster is is the best players are going to play. And uh, when our guys walk into the locker room, you know, in Plant City in December and start getting on the field, they're going to recognize that uh, there's going to be competition at every level, every position on our team, including the, in, the, uh, in the kicking department. So, you know, we're excited about that. We're excited about the guys we brought in. Uh, the people that they are and the talent that they have and the competition that they're going to bring, uh, not only on, on an individual side of the ball, but once we start practicing against each other. And with with the new the new rules, the reimagining of the game, as we've talked about the XFL, how much experimentation offensively do you anticipate? How do you approach the risk associated with that, trying to take advantage of new rules and a new style of play, but also, you know, wanting to go out there and play good crisp football, as we always say on our show that Oliver Luck loves to say. Uh, but you do have the, the opportunity to get to get, you know, have some interesting play calling in this league. How do you how do you approach that balance? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, there there is no real balance to that. The, 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 the quality of play is going to come by playing efficient football, throwing it in the normal sense as people will see the week before and running it in the normal sense, the way that people will see the week before. I mean, that's the way it's going to start. And certainly there's some nuances that go along with it, but the focus is going to be smart football, efficient football, you know, being playing quality football in all three phases, giving the fans a game that they, they can recognize. And then, you know, obviously, you know, we're going to do some things in all different phases of the reimagined part. Um, and but we're not going to focus so hard on that, that that it takes away from getting our football team ready uh, to play early on in the season. Coach, can we talk a little bit about the other side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball? I noticed, uh, particularly in your draft, you took a lot of corners early. Any any particular reason? What can we expect on that side of the ball? Well, I, I, you know, in terms of the way we're going to play defense, we got corners. We have to have corners who can cover. And teams are normally going to line up with three and possibly four wide receivers, and and we've got to have depth at that position. So I, I think the the important thing is 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 finding pass rushers, and number one, and finding cover people. And uh, we 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 made cover people certainly the priority in the secondary part of the draft, which was a phase within itself. Well, coach, your season kicks off uh, Sunday, February 9th uh, in New York, uh, two p.m. game. Just give us a quick, you know, what does Tampa Bay Viper football look like? Well, as, as I said, um, you know, we're not going to be out there. We want to show uh, a passion for the game. 
We want to be efficient. Um, certainly, we want to be explosive offensively, and we hope that we can. But we, we need to protect our quarterback. And, you know, weather could be an issue, and, and being able to run the ball effectively will certainly be, be part of that. And, you know, defensively, again, it's, it's showing our passion for the, for the game, playing smart football, running to the ball, and making plays when we can make, make plays. But uh, number one is being a smart, disciplined football team. Early on in the season, you know, more teams go out and they lose games uh, rather than win them. And uh, if you can avoid not losing games, you got a better chance of winning early on. And that doesn't mean we're going to play close to the vest, but we're going to work to play smart uh, football and try to find some identity as we work uh, through each game. Well, Coach, we cannot wait to see the Tampa Bay Vipers take the field in February. Cannot wait to see what kind of football team you put together. You've got your roster. Now you can implement your strategy and go out there and have fun reimagining the game. appreciate you guys being part of this journey. It's going to be a lot of fun for everyone. Where football goes to be reborn. Where football goes to be reimagined. Where one goes to find more of what they need. A place with endless possibilities and hidden gems. A place where only one's limitations determine how much is explored. A place that gives you all the football you can handle and more. This is the XFL Show's Patreon, guiding you to February 2020. Again, we appreciate Coach Mark Tressman's time. Amazing information there, and he brought we, we he he brought up the fact that his quarterbacks are all going to be expected to compete when they get to training camp. There, guys, and. I found a lot of stuff he said interesting, but that quarterback situation in Tampa is super duper interesting. And we're going to get into, I think, that, but a lot league wide when it comes to the quarterbacks here in a minute with the hot read. But overall, Jake, from that interview, learning that Mark Tressman plans on being balanced, plans on being creative, taking chances, but also being smart, and all the scouting that went into building that team. Are you a Tampa Bay Vipers fan now? Well, I mean,. Really, the rule book is, you know, that's going to that has a large part of what I'm going to do, because if you're going to be uh, creative and experimental, like coach was just talking about, then yeah, there's probably a better chance that I'm leaning your way. But if you're just going to, uh, you know, stick to traditional football and not try to take advantage or utilize some of these loopholes that the league is providing you, then you know, maybe it's not going to be as interesting. So I'm not ready to commit quite yet. <laughs> Bryant, your ears perked whenever Coach said there that they really used the AAF in a in a hearty manner when it came to scouting for that draft. Uh, it was one of the ways that I looked at the draft beforehand. Is you look at experienced, you know, people that have played the game in a similar fashion than what the XFL will be in 2020, and the AAF was a great spot. Uh, Tressman. Uh, uh, went in there and then said, "This is." We kind of looked at that first. We looked at how players worked in in the AAF, how they adapted and played there, and and that was kind of their cornerstone for their draft. So I thought that was very interesting and and very cool of his time, uh, and also just how he expects players to act. Right, they're not just going to go out there and play. They're going to be committed. They're going to um, they're going to play football and play football the right way. And 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 also the the interesting too is a lot of people have been putting similarities between the XFL and the CFL you know, as secondary leagues to the NFL. But I think uh, Coach Tressman basically said, yeah, it's similar, but it's going to be a little different. There's not going to be as much fluidity as there is with the CFL. So a great interview. Again, thank you to my best friend, Mark Tressman there. <laughs> and um, really, uh, and and real quick, I'll just mention, if you were on our Patreon, you had access to this interview about a week in advance. I think we posted it a Monday afternoon, Alan. Yeah, yep, yep. All of our interviews go right up to the Patreon for the general patrons who give generously to the show if you feel like we – should be getting something for for putting in this work, or you want just more XFL football sooner, uh, head over to the Patreon because that's where the interview went at first. And, of course, we'll put them into the big show here each and every single week. Yeah, Mark Tressman, awesome. I feel like a smarter football fan just having talked to the guy. Cannot wait to talk to him again as we get closer to kickoff 
in 2020. Can't wait to get more coaches on the show, which we'll hopefully be doing a lot more here very soon. Uh, but that quarterback situation in Tampa is just interesting to me, and I think we need to touch upon that and some of the others across the league in this week's Hot Read. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! Hey, Rick Flair! Rick Flair! Pepper, flip, caliber. Motown, happy, jolly, drunk, buster, Miller, tiger! I think he's got a hound too, Rodney, I think. All right, this hot read's going to be a lot of fun, but I repeat, we are not going to rank anybody. We Thank are you. not ranking anybody. This, these are not rankings. I know Bryant will want to slap me upside the head. The rankings will come probably on the Patreon. This will be a discussion about the quarterback situations we're most concerned about in the XFL, Brian. It, it, it's it's an interesting topic that I know, Alan, you talk about per, your ears perking when, when he said the AAF and how they use scouting, Mark Trestman, that is. Uh, your ears perked when I think he said that every you know quarterback is, is going to be getting reps and they're going to be expected to compete for this position. Uh, they're going to look for the best quarterback just because Aaron Murray uh, was assigned to the Vipers doesn't mean that he's actually going to start. Uh, they're going to have to work for it. So I think it's an interesting conversation to have about Who's got the? I'm not gonna say worst because that's not what I want to say. I want to no. say interesting. Yes. Most, uh, maybe the most competitive. Who's who's got the most question marks when it comes to their uh, quarterback situation in terms of who's gonna start? Yep. You could call it opportunity. You could call it concern. You can call it perplexing. Whatever you want to call it, we're gonna peg those or that at least us individually for us uh, that situation in the XFL when it comes to quarterbacks because among the eight teams. Jake, I'll set it up for you, and then you could answer and give us your your situation, which one you're looking at, because each team got their quarterback in the quarterback assignment portion of draft week. But we know that some teams didn't get their top choice; that they couldn't have, right? That's impossible, unless unless not, it's a not Dallas, Dallas, though. Unless it's Dallas Renegade right. situation, um, or maybe they took that guy, but also planned on having a drafted quarterback compete or maybe at the very least are still holding out hope and waiting to see what happens in, with free agents come early 2020 there's a lot of fluidity there's a lot of different scenarios that could play out but some teams we gotta we have to think are more secure right now at quarterback than others so which team's quarterback situation do you think has the greatest chance of turning over to a guy who was not their assigned quarterback Oh, I didn't really know that was that was where we were going with this question. Uh, uh, let, ready to answer with wide receiver. Well, no. <laughs> let me. Here's what I was originally going to say. I know we were talking about what you know. What are you concerned with? I'm going to tell you what I'm not concerned with, and, and I'll listen to the experts. That's you two. I am not concerned with Dallas, DC, or Houston. Landry Jones. You know, this was. God, he, he has to have the most NFL experience, right? By far. Uh, yeah. Is that, is that I, correct? I'm, and maybe, actually, Matt McGloin might have had more snaps than him. Okay. All right. Well, still, still, you know, enough NFL experience, at least that I witnessed. Maybe that's why I'm thinking about that. But I, I would not be concerned with Landry Jones. He was, you know, apparently the golden goose out of this thing. He's going to go play for uh, his collegiate coach. I would not be concerned with Cardell Jones. For those uh, Patreon listeners out there, you know what I thought about him and said about him recently. And I would also not be concerned with, uh, not necessarily uh, Phil Walker, but just the Houston Roughnecks because they drafted a, a quarterback in the first round. So perhaps, uh, maybe I'm reading too much into this, that you know they did not get the assigned quarterback that they wanted, but maybe maybe they did and they just want a good backup. So I'm, I'm going to say I'm not concerned with those three teams and all the other ones, you know, I just don't know enough about to, to say yes or no. You couldn't, you can't peg one as the one you, you would think is the most up for grabs? 
if I had to pick one, I'd say Houston, I guess. There you go. Yeah. Because of what they did in their number one pick. Makes sense. But, but I'm not I'm not concerned with the team. Yeah. But maybe I'm concerned with the Assan quarterback. Yeah, I, I, I think this is this is uh we definitely have to emphasize this. This is not looking at oh which one which quarterback situation's abysmal or which one's not gonna turn out right. I think all any team we talk about here all these teams have situations at quarterback that can be very productive. And even though there might be multiple guys who could win the job, or maybe we think they didn't get the guy that they wanted first. I, I, either way, I think the two teams on my mind, at least, Bryant, I think could both end up having quarterbacks that kill it in the XFL. With that said, it's between Tampa and Houston for me. You talk a little bit, and I'm going to pick one because it's the, I've whittled it down to them too. So I whittled it down to two as well. Uh, but then I eliminated him as this conversation kind of went along because I still think that for the Dragons, Brandon Silvers will start for them. So I, I, the question mark of, of whether or not there's going to be a competition there to me is a little less. I'm going with Houston. Houston has the biggest question mark of who's going to take the most snaps. It might affect them in a way because if you're splitting snaps uh, with, with two quarterbacks to figure out who's your number one quarterback is, you might run into some problems with uh, rotation and, and enough reps uh, there for your actual starter uh, but that's the one I see because you ha- you do have two solid quarterbacks and and Jake I didn't know you and Philip Walker were like on this like short name there are you like like he doesn't call you Jacob you're Jake and then you call him Phil I didn't, it, I didn't know that it, it's complicated <laughs> okay okay so you're with Houston got it interested mark that Alan please uh Philip Walker and Connor Cook a great quarterback situation for them in terms of talent uh but huge question marks about who exactly is going to start for them uh, when you start the season. Yeah, it's it's also uh, it's important to note that Connor Cook was taken in the first round of phase one by Houston. That tells you something. And it also tells you something that, man, Aaron Murray is, is a good quarterback. We've seen him play in some big games in college. He was in the AAF, but in the AAF, Bryant, you always bring it up, wasn't the man in Atlanta was thought to be, thought he would win that job or earn, thought he was going to be given it almost, right? He was the first pick for that team in that league, but ended up getting overtaken. But he got a lot of playing time. Can the same thing happen is what I, I, I fear in Tampa for him, especially with a young, super talented quarterback in Taylor Cornelius that if Vince was on this show, I'm sure he would convince me that it's Tampa. I'm sure of it, but he's not. So I'm going to go with Houston with you guys as well. For the simple fact that Connor Cook was taken so early and Coach June Jones really wants to be able to make a decision and have a quarterback competition. It just, you have to believe that's what they're going for. But the thing is, I said it on this week's Patreon episode, I believe. I think whoever's the quarterback in Houston has a damn good shot at leading this league in passing yards and touchdowns with what June Jones is able to get out of his quarterbacks and do with an offense. So whoever wins that job, is I think gonna love it. Is gonna love playing in this system, but it, it's very tough for me to pick Philip Walker over Connor Cook or vice versa. Yet without them being in a camp, and there, this is one situation that absolutely has to play out. Jake, there must be a competition in Houston. Yeah, there must be a competition. Uh, there's probably gonna be controversy, but uh, you know. You bring this upon yourself. There, it's, there's nothing wrong with having two really good quarterbacks, at least until you got to name a Stark. <laughs> it's true. It's <laughs> it's it's not a ranking, Brian. I think we got a, we got through this without ranking anything. I, I'm not. I, I'm afraid uh, when we do rank them, uh, I'm going to have a Seattle Dragons 0 and 10 situation, like I did with our schedules earlier this week. But it's a uh, it's it's a whole collective. You got to look at the entire quarterback room for each team if you're doing a ranking. Here we're looking at the top. We're looking at the starter. Who could it be? And when you're going through each team, my my I don't know is loudest when I look at Houston. It, it, is it is the next team after Houston and Tampa? It, like where you maybe aren't for sure. What are you looking in? You brought it up. Brandon Silver's in Seattle. I was, but like I said, I think Brandon Silvers will start. And, I, and the other one that I would bring in there, Alan, maybe with the Seattle kind of tied at that 
third, you know, spot or maybe two B is um, St. Louis. I think it's Jordan Tomu's team to quarterback, but they did go early with a pick in uh, Brogan Roback. They went in the second round of that first phase with the 11th overall pick. So I don't think there's a, a question mark of who's going to start game one. I think Jordan Tomu will start, but I think you can throw that in there with someone who's going to give Jordan a run for his money. I, I think it's safe to say, Jake, would you bet on the best teams in the XFL having the same quarterback play all season long? Uh, barring injuries, yes, I would. Yeah, it's great to have. It's great to have continuity at that position. I'm sure some of these teams are equipped, though, to deal with injury or quarterback competition. Uh, but the thing about a ten-week season, Bryant. Not a lot of not a lot of time for error, not a lot of time for learning. So when you make that decision before the season starts, you're hoping that that was the best decision and you don't have to make another one. Yeah, in the AAF, you saw quarterback changes like crazy, but I think that's just because of the lack of prep time that these teams had going yeah. into their season. Uh, the XFL has given themselves that time, right, to to solidify this. So do I see a court? Do I see all eight quarterbacks lasting, barring injuries, lasting all ten games? I do not. Well, no, I don't think that's the question that that what Al was the question. Posed. Maybe I misunderstood the question. My apologies. No, yeah, bar- I, I thought barring injury, we're barring injury. Quarterbacks changes because of poor play or yeah. because of fit or something like that throughout the season. There's that's going to happen. I see, I see that in New York happening more so than any other team because if New York gets off to a slow start, they have a different type of quarterback. Whoever is that number two. Um, to take snaps so they might do a little switch there to see if they can get something going i mean i'm not a penn state fan but i think you just pick on matt mcgloin because he's short compared to <laughs> all the other guys just a fraction over six foot i uh, know he's I, I think he's the shortest quarterback of the of the eight of the eight dist- uh, assigned quarterbacks if i'm not mistaken but um no yeah i'm just just, We're not ranking height here. Okay, okay, fine, fine. We'll save it. We'll save it. But uh, man, that's that's good. I can't wait for those camps because that's going to be amazing to see in Houston, especially Tampa, but definitely Houston. Let us know, everybody, uh, the quarterback situation uh, that you think is maybe most up in the air in terms of who could be the starter at XFL show. Sounds like a poll question for the week, doesn't it, Brian? Uh, sounds like a good one. It's so hard because you only get four options on Twitter. So how do I put all eight on there? Well, maybe after we do some ranking, you'll only have four to put up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do that. And uh, man, I I am uh, I'm super hyped to to talk some more uh, with uh, everybody about these situations. Uh, get get at us on the on the of course Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at XFL Show, but seven two four five six five for xfl we want to hear from you we want to hear what you think about this and all the other stuff we've talked about today if you have a reaction to our interview with mark tressman we'd love to hear it Uh, i thought it was awesome and uh look for hopefully another great good crisp interview excuse me good crisp football next next week um we'll be trying to get maybe a head coach on the show again or maybe uh, someone else We're, we're we're trying to give you as much insight into the minds behind your favorite teams and behind the people at the league each and every single week here on This is the XFL Show. And uh, so far, so good since we rolled out the interview segment. And uh, if you have anybody you want us to reach out to and try to get on the show, let us know at XFL Show. I think we've got everything covered. Jake, unless you got anything else left to say, are you going to make your decision yet? You know what? I, I was almost ready to, but you know, some of the things you guys talked about, I, I think I'm going to have to wait at least one more week. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll move another week <laughs> down the road. Brian, I miss anything that I cover everything, promote everything, tell everything we got, everybody, everything we got going on. DC, look out for us. We got 14 weeks to plan an awesome weekend for that first game. Sands Bryant. I'm going to. I'm going to say that we probably did miss something, but that's the beauty of what's going on with the XFL right now. There's so much to go. Uh, so we try to talk about it all week long, especially on here, on YouTube, on Patreon, anywhere we can get our voices heard. Uh, just catch us there. So uh, another great week for the XFL. Rulebook's coming out pretty soon, Jake. Mm-hmm. 
I'm wondering, have you been practicing your English accent? Why do I need the English accent again? You're gonna I don't read. Remember, but it was you're reading the rule book do, so go, in an English it, accent. Reading it in the style of Ben Kingsley. Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it can't happen. All right, here, well, here, I'll make you a deal, Jake. If you if you pick your team before you have to read the rule book, then you can do it in a regular voice. No, don't rush. Coming out again. No, don't rush the picking of the teams. I want to do the decision episode. Rush. He's had he's had ninety four weeks to pick a team. I think I want to be interviewed in a room with a big fern in the corner. Yes, I think I make my pick. I think Jake Jake needs at least twelve more weeks to mull that over. I'm with you. Can we get Bob Costas? Perhaps (laughs) we'll see. Um, You know, actually, I was just looking at the rundown here, and of the eight important things I, I wanted to say on this show I said seven of them Bryant so that's pretty good <laughs> pretty good ratio that, that's a good I'm that's like, a good ratio I'm like the Dallas not, Renegades not, not of podcast good. Yeah. Yeah. Dallas good but, but podcast good I guess yeah you're right that's good <laughs> uh, the YouTube the YouTube is where everybody has to go I think we missed Bryant yes the YouTube go ahead and check that out we splish we, we splish we splish, we, we splash, we splash, up. we splice. <laughs> we splice all these shows up, give you different uh, you know, portions of the show, the good Christmas interview, as well as up there as a singular uh, video that you can watch as well. So go check that out, youtube.com slash this is the XFL show. That's it. Another episode in the books. Another road marker tagged. And we're going to keep on scooting along to kick off in February. Thank you so much for subscribing to the show tell your friends if you strike up a conversation about the xfl with anybody and they're just getting into it or want to know more about it tell them about the show get more people on board so we could all talk football together because it's getting it just it's becoming more and more of a blast each week prepping the show doing this show talking to people who react to the show it's awesome and we cannot believe how far it's come and we're 94 episodes in and counting and uh just all because of you. So thank you so much. And thanks to Mark Tressman for giving us an amazing, a generous, an insightful, good, crisp interview. Totally, totally awesome. Can't wait to see what the Tampa Bay Vipers do this, this coming season. I got a lot of high expectations for him. I've been putting him over a lot on this show. He was tremendous today. Thank you so much, Coach, and everyone at the Tampa Bay Vipers organization. We look forward to talking more football with them, with all the teams, and with all of you. For Bryant, for Jake, I'm Alan. This is the XFL Show. Remember, they're listening. Hey, football freaks, it's Alan. Just want to let you know about a brand new football podcast that myself, Vince, and his wife, Pam, started. We want more people to hop on board and start listening because we are talking college football on a national scale with a very extreme Pitt Panther bias. It's called the Hell to Pitt Podcast, and yes, we do focus a lot on the Pitt Panthers, but if you just want to hear us talk more football, if you want a place to go listen to some college football talk, check out the Hell to Pitt Podcast, available on all podcast platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, you name it, it's out there. Subscribe today, Hell to Pitt Podcast. It is brought to you by Pretty Easy Podcasts, and it is absolutely free of charge. Subscribe and review today. Hail to Pit.